This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Have your Bible close by. We'll be looking at some various texts together. We're going to be starting out in John's Gospel, John chapter 1. You came tonight anticipating that we would begin some training, along with some preaching, all right, about how to win others to Christ. John chapter 1. As you're preparing, I want you to open up this book that you received tonight coming in, The Exchange Training, The Leader's Guide by Evangelist Jeff Musgrave. Let me ask quickly if there's any adult or teen you got in tonight and you didn't receive a copy. Slip your hand up. All right, there are a few, so hold it up until... Uh, these guys get to you. One per person. So each Sunday night through August, if you come back and you don't have yours, uh, be prepared to take notes in something else. All right? And, uh, and then remember to bring it with you the next time. But uh, we... We want to give this to you, put it in your hands, so that you can use this material to help lead someone to Christ. It's also important that you be able to take notes in here, and even as you continue uh, to witness to others and have these Bible studies uh, with those who are searching, those who should be searching, and uh, those who need to understand their condition before God without Christ, uh, you'll be able to continue to use this, become very familiar with it. The notes in it will help you as you allow the Lord to continue to use you. As we go through this training, I'm going to explain the uh, overall uh, group of tools that you're going to be able to receive. There's the Inquirer's Bible Study, where you come alongside someone, and with this Bible study, there are four uh, lessons that you do together where the Word of God is able to work on their hearts, reveal their condition and their need for Christ. So that's what this is. In the middle of September, and uh, I made it a, a video announcement earlier, hope that you'll go see Mary Lynn in the church uh, foyer, but sign up for the training that's going to happen in September. Uh, and that's from the 16th, I believe, to the 20th. Uh, but in that training, you're also going to learn how to take the Word of God and just meet someone out on the street, meet someone in your neighborhood, uh, going door to door. Uh, you can uh, engage them. As you access their life, you can engage them with the gospel and understand how to work your way through the scriptures to be able to bring them to a decision to trust the Lord uh, if their heart has been prepared. Right? And so that is giving the exchange. Then once they come to Christ, uh, there's another uh, book, very clear book, 
that approaches discipleship, the main themes when we are teaching a new believer to observe all that the Lord has commanded, living the exchange uh, handles each of those subjects, assurance of salvation, baptism, church membership, uh, sanctification, all that is dealt with, but from the standpoint of relying on the Holy Spirit so that he can work that sanctification through you. It's not a matter of teaching people do's and don'ts and try hard. It's not it. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, and he is the one who is going to affect change. We need to help them understand that. And so uh, that training, 16 hours in September, uh, beginning on a Saturday, it'll also happen on a Sunday, that Sunday evening, and then Monday through Wednesday. It will be so helpful to you. But what we're going to consider together not tonight uh, will give you an understanding even about how this material uh, is laid out. And I think uh, that God, I know God's going to use it as he's already using it. Uh, many of you are discipling others. You're, you have used this material. You're using it right now. And we are seeing God do some amazing things in lives. And we, we give him all the glory for that. And so take some notes tonight. Follow along. And uh, I hope that our PowerPoint uh, will help guide you as well. The simplicity of the gospel and sharing the gospel must be emphasized in evangelism training. The simplicity. A child, where God's working in their heart, they can have the faith uh, to be able to understand what Jesus has done for them and to be saved. How do we know that? We just saw that with our vacation Bible school, didn't we? It's simple. But in John 1.39, when two of Jesus' disciples asked him where he lived, would you look at that uh, verse with me? What does he say? He saith unto them, come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. It's late in the day. Come and see. And the Lord just took time with them. In John 1, 45 and 46, we read, Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Wow. He was convinced. Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, What? Come and see. I appreciate folks that maybe haven't been trained in evangelism and maybe you're a little intrepid to try to share your faith with others we want to help you with that but some of you at least have down this part come to my church and see uh, we had some guests here this morning what a blessing some of you were shopping some invited them to church now I rejoiced when I got to visit with these guests that they uh, they seem to know the Lord, and they're going to plan to be back. That's exciting, but it's simple. Come and see. What did the woman at the well say to the folks back in Samaria, in the, in the city? Come and see a man who told me everything that I've done. 
Now, we do not find deep theological discussions in these texts. Instead, here's what we see, that evangelism at its core is relational. Now, I want to be careful because a few decades ago, there was this big push called lifestyle evangelism. I just live right around these folks as I should as a Christian, and eventually they're just going to ask me about my faith. Well, they might think you're a nice person, but that doesn't mean that they're going to ask you about your faith. There needs to be a confrontation with the gospel. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. We'll see that in a little bit. But the reality is, and you've, you've heard this, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Did Jesus just preach and go hide? No. No, he interacted with them. Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. Well, what was that about? Well, it must have been lunchtime. No, that's not what that was about. No, he was going to go to Zacchaeus' house and he was going to preach, share the gospel. Zacchaeus comes to Christ. I'm so thankful for that story. That means there are going to be other short people in heaven. Amen? All right. But, but the reality is, Jesus showed him he cared and then used that as an opportunity where he was determined to give the gospel. So the biblical emphasis of the exchange Bible study is relational. Not just from the perspective that we need to access lives to reveal the Lord Jesus to them, but because, think about this, he loved them like he loves us. That's right. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Why? Because God so loved the world. All right? And so he loves them like he loves us, and we should love them as he does because he loved us. We should love them the same way. Remember a message we preached recently looking at Peter's life and the importance of accessing the lives of the lost. And you'll, know, or you'll remember that with uh, Peter, he invites them into Simon the Tanner's house. They actually have a meal together. Those guys spend the night. And, and through that time, then when they get up to Cornelius' house, he gets invited in there. There was personal time spent together. Peter showed that he cared. So we have the opportunity to explain Jesus' love for others as he is revealed in the scriptures. We gain access with the goal of letting them know we care, letting them know Jesus loves them. They too can have a relationship with him, bringing peace and purpose to their lives. All right, and so in the introduction of your book, I'm just hitting some highlights uh, where in the introduction, uh, the leader's guide, it helps you gain the perspective that I've just reminded us that we need to have. All right? Now, why the exchange Bible study? The reason that I believe we should be using the exchange Bible study for our church is that it helps us introduce our friends to the loving, living God of the Bible. 
And it is his word that will break down barriers and draw them to himself. His word is powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. You're not going to help somebody get to heaven by your convincement. It's going to be the word of God penetrating their hearts. That's what's going to bring life. Now how do we know? A couple of verses, Romans 1.16 Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? Help me. The word of God. It's exciting to enter situations where we access, where people live, we work to build relationships with them so that we can share with them the word of God. And you need to know the excitement of being able to share the word of God and just watch it grip their hearts, draw them to the Lord. In your book, let me just have you look. This is uh, page Roman numeral 6. Evangelist Jeff Musgrave shares his testimony of a man, Carlton, and they were having this Bible study, and already God was using his word in his heart. This man says this, do I have to believe this Adam and Eve stuff to have a relationship with this God of yours? This was his first question. Now that would be intimidating for most of us. He felt God was a crutch, a figment of uh, weak men's imagination. Though skeptical, his question was sincere. At the end of the first conversation, he and his wife, Michelle, agreed to do the exchange Bible study, the Inquirer's Bible study. As we finished our first study, Michelle apologized for Carlton's uh, uh, skepticism. And my wife wondered if we should get him an apologetics book that might lend some credibility to our witness. However, we decided to stay the course and let the gospel show itself powerful in Carlton's life. Our second Bible study was slightly better. Instead of saying, that can't be true because, he was saying, well, if that's true, what about? Again, word of God working. Before we could study the third lesson, Carlton said to me, I don't need to finish the Bible study. I know it's true. I want to make that exchange you've been telling me about. Today, Carlton and his family continue to grow in their walk with Christ. How did it happen? Well, you can see there in your book, because the Bible is powerful. It's the word of God. Sometimes we don't witness because... Well, we're going to talk about boldness in a little bit, but sometimes we don't witness because we're just not convinced God's word is enough. It is sufficient, folks. Now, they may not believe it. They may not like it. It's sufficient. It's powerful. All right. So nothing I have shared to this point is new to most of us, I'm sure. While we are convinced of the power of Scripture, at least in our heads, 
Our lack of evangelism often comes down to one main issue, and that is boldness. Biblical boldness in evangelism and discipleship. By the way, I, I will say this, and then we'll look at truths that I, I'm trusting God will use to change our thinking. If you struggle with boldness, you've got a thinking problem. You don't have a boldness problem. Pastor, how can you say that? Because if you came home and you saw smoke coming out of the windows of your house, the thinking would say, I need to get in there and, and help rescue whoever's in there. And as you think the truth, your boldness problem would go away. If we would think the truth about what God has called us to do and the condition of those that we should be witnessing to, if our thinking was right, our actions would be right and our boldness problem would change. Jeff Musgrave makes an important point in his material. Quote, he said, The early church rarely prayed that God would work in the hearts of the lost. Now stop. He didn't say that they never prayed that. They hardly prayed that. Why? They were confident he was doing that work. He promised. He's ripening the harvest. They didn't attempt to pray God down to stir him up. Their constant cry was for personal boldness. Now how do we know that? Hold your place and let's, let's go over to the book of Ephesians. It's not that we don't struggle in this area. Paul did. But notice Ephesians 6. What he identifies as the issue that will help. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. He's talking the context here is the armor of God. And we need to be prayerful always. But again if our focus is on the Lord and we're asking him to work through us to impact other lives, what a difference it will make along with the rest of the armor. But Paul is saying then in verse 19, and pray for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I, what? As I ought to speak. Woe is me, Paul said, if I don't declare the gospel. I ought to be doing this. And, and him writing this was a reminder to all the Ephesians, and you ought to be doing this as well. All right, so what's going to change our thinking? We need to be prayerful. We do need God's enablement. And we need to pray for each other. So as, as we look ahead, as we prepare as a church to commit ourselves again to evangelism through the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to be prayerful for each other. Pray, Lord, give me boldness. Lord, please help my pastor to have boldness. I have the same flesh you do. And let's pray for each other. So boldness is not the result of self-confidence, brashness, 
Okay. By the way, it's not a spiritual gift, please. I just don't have the gift of evangelism. Take your Bible and show me where there is the gift of evangelism. There's the gift of the evangelist, but that's two different things. And in fact, we're all to do the work of an evangelist. Okay? To be that proclaimer, that preacher. So instead, boldness comes from a conscious awareness of impending judgment and from sharing the Savior's compassion. Matthew 9.36, But when he saw the multitudes, he, Jesus, was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. He had compassion on them. Now, have you ever thought about the fact Jesus had compassion on them? One reason was he had created every one of those people he saw as sheep. He created them. Where'd they get their life? Where'd they get their eternal soul? He gave that to them. Have you ever considered that Jesus was the only person also to walk on the earth who already knew the torments of hell? I'm so glad I have never had a chance to visit that place. I don't need that. I have the Bible. I have the personal testimony of a rich man who died and went there and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment. And if you look at the language there in the original language uh, as he uh, speaks to Abraham across that great gulf between paradise and where he was, he says, I am tormented and literally in this roaring Flame. Have you ever been by a furnace? Roaring flame. He went there. But Jesus knows all about it because he created that place. For the devil, his angels, when man rejected God, that's where a lost soul goes as well. So Jesus had compassion because he loves these people that he created, but he knows where they're headed if they reject him. Serious stuff, folks. All right. Again, going back to that illustration of a house fire, if your neighbor's house was on fire and you thought you had any chance of getting in there and getting them out, would you do it? Would your conscience bother you if you just looked the other way or closed your door or pulled your blinds? It should. And yet we're all dying people, surrounded by dying people only. When this life ends for me, I step into the presence of God forever. If they don't know Jesus, their eternal address is very different. The rich man in hell, he's still there tonight. 2,000 years later. It's hard to even imagine. All right. So stop and consider, the Lord made you one of his rescued sheep. He rescued you from eternal torment. Would you see others for who they really are without Christ? Now in the introduction of your leader's guide, this is pages uh, Roman numeral 9 to Roman numeral 12. 
You homeschool moms are teaching your kids Roman numerals, right? Okay, all right. All right. I, I hope Christian schools are public schools. I, Patty, do you teach Roman numerals? No, okay. I don't believe that for a minute, all right. So, in those pages, in the leader's guide, we're given 15 excellent tips for success. Now, this is not marketing, but practical helps for making the Bible study welcoming and relational. Right, so let's, let's just look at a couple of these together. For instance, and we've been talking about this recently, in fact, as of this morning, but notice on Roman numeral page 10, be transparent. Some of the questions will probe into the personal life of your friend. He, she will more readily open their heart if you pave the way by admitting your own weakness and problems. You know, I just want you to understand, I'm a sinner. I needed Jesus. Okay? None of us is perfect. In your book here, would you underline perfect? And I'll tell you why I'm having you underline it in a minute. You have more in common with the struggles of your unsafe friend than you might realize. Especially if you were saved later in life. Okay? What about the setting? Do the Bible study in a setting that is comfortable for your friend. Consider doing it in your friend's home so that all that has to happen for the Bible study to take place is that you show up. Many have found a coffee shop or quiet restaurant to be a comfortable setting. Okay? Someplace that is non-threatening. Here's an important reminder. Don't call to remind him or her of the Bible study. Just show up. Why? A reminder call might provide an opportunity for them to cancel. Set it up before you leave and show up when you're supposed to meet again. Okay? And then don't give up. I like that one top of the next page. Keep doing the Bible study even if it seems your friend is losing interest. It gets difficult to schedule a lesson or even if a lesson gets uncomfortable. Sometimes it takes a long time to finish the exchange. But here's what I would remind you. When Paul got to Ephesus, he reminded those believers that for two years Paul went door to door, house to house. And what was he doing? He was teaching the word of God. I think they were bringing their unsaved neighbors in. Okay, Remember again after Jesus led the woman uh, at the well to himself. They asked him to stay in Samaria. But he was on a tight schedule. No, no. He stayed. Cornelius' house. They asked Peter to stay. He stayed. Now this is a. This is a busy life that we lead. Those that we're trying to help, they're busy too. Do you know one of the reasons why they're so busy? It helps them not think about what's going on right here. Okay? So you're going to have to access that, find a time, be flexible to come in alongside them and be able to impart God's word. 
All right. So look through. I want to encourage you uh, to go back on your own and read those different tips for success. Read the others. Uh, it will help you, it'll help prepare you as we move forward. Now in the Bible study, the goal is, this is in print for you, to show your own growing awe of your awesome God. Leave each lesson with the confidence that your friend understood the main, use, uh, uh, the main theme, I'm sorry, of each lesson. Again, through the lens of Scripture. So you're going to just continue to express your confidence in God. You have no reason not to, by the way. You're not trying to convince them. You're just, you're just sharing them who your God is. But it makes a difference. And regardless of how they respond here down deep, there's a yearning. I believe the Spirit of God will work on their hearts and how many of us have heard something like this? I, and over time, I just realized I need what you have. Okay? Moving on. So who can I invite? Let's think about that for a moment. The fields are white under harvest. You won't have to look far. Brother Musgrave uses the acrostic fans. Not your fans. All right, But it's a word that will help us remember, get us thinking about who we can have Bible study with. Later in September, he'll give you and I a handout that says, List 5, where you can write the names of those that you are going to pray for and invite to do this Bible study. Now, you've got a book that looks like this, when you, and we'll see this in a, in a moment, just go over a couple pages. The lessons, it's a small book that's very easy for them to keep uh, some place where they can fill in answers and so on. This is the leader's guide leading that Bible study. All right, but these smaller books, we're going to have these available where anytime you want to begin a Bible study with one of these fans... All right, you, you come alongside them, give them the book. Out of your leader's guide, you're going to be able to guide them through the Bible study. Fans, who are they? Well, family and, friend, uh, and friends. Associates at work, sports team, your barber or hairdresser. Really. But if we talk, everybody's listening in. When we first came to this church, I was sitting in a local barber shop having my hair cut, and I started to witness to the woman who was cutting my hair. In that situation, I found out she was a believer. Her husband was in the Navy. They were looking for a church. I don't know how many years the Winniarskis were a part of our church. God grew them here. Uh, when he was getting ready to retire out of the Navy, the family moved back to Georgia. And Ted stayed with Ron Reed several months. And Ron did the rest of the discipleship on that guy. All because I needed my hair cut. You, you don't know, but the Holy Spirit does. He's going to lead. 
All right? So associates, how about the doctor's office? It's probably just you and the doctor in that room. Perfect opportunity. Neighbors and then strangers. Ask God to bring these people into your life. All right. Now, turn to page one. And we're just about done. This first lesson has 13 pages, just to give you an idea about how long these pages are. And between your Bible study and the next time you meet with your friends or whoever, okay, they can just a little bit at a time uh, look at the lesson. With each question, Brother Musgrave prints out the verse. And he makes it real simple because the answer in the verse is highlighted. All they've got to do is look at the highlight and then put it up in the blank. I wish my teachers in high school had a similar mindset about homework and tests, but never happened. Okay. But, so it's very easy to just look at the verse, read the verse, and in their own words, they can write the answer up in the blank. Each lesson has instruction, a summary, application, a verse to memorize, and a simple practical assignment. It's very simple. You'll give them the material ahead of time so that they can read it and fill in the answers. So when you get back together, it's already filled out. You begin by asking the questions on page one. So your notes as the leader are over on the side each time, and you can just follow that to guide the Bible study. Now, the theme of lesson one is God is holy. God is holy, and you can see that. The lesson begins by laying a foundation for God's holiness in the Bible. Then question number four, this is on page three, applies the reality of God's holiness. He gives Accurate definition of holiness, but in a way that they're going to be able to understand. Do you know what holiness is? Now, theologically, it's God's separateness from us. We, we can't even comprehend God who spoke and created a universe. For years, I spoke to kids. And sometimes it just created more chaos. I'm kidding. Okay, I'm, I'm kidding. But you and I can speak, but that doesn't mean anything is going to happen. Imagine a God who can speak. It's done, and it's good. All right. So it's his separateness, but for those that we're having Bible study with, it's perfection. Now, we, we use that word. That meal was perfect until we find another meal that's better. Now, that meal's perfect. No, no. This is true perfection. Another definition that Musgrave gives, always doing right. Always. Doing right. Getting it right. That's God. Immediately, we begin to understand, and those you're having Bible study with will understand, he's in a category all by himself. And so that's who he is. Now look at question four. 
In the Bible, God declares himself holy. What responsibility is placed on man as a result of God's holy nature? Leviticus 11.44 is given. For I am the Lord your God. You shall be what? Holy. For I am holy. What? I'm perfect. I always do right. You be like me. Uh-oh. Right? <laughs> huh? Is that what God said? Did he mean it? All right. So question number seven really brings the point home then. Who does the Bible say is holy like God is holy? 1 Samuel 2.2. 2. Listen to it. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside you, neither is there any rock like our God. There's none holy. So I'm talking to someone who is having to look into the scripture and see God's assessment of them. He's holy, he wants me to be holy, but there's none holy. And then in the lesson, you take a trip through the Ten Commandments. Okay. And question number eight proves the point. Page eight of the leader's guide then asks this important question, have you ever broken any of the Ten Commandments? The rest of the lesson then reinforces the point that no one has ever escaped the problem of sin. Here are some references. Ecclesiastes 7.20, There is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? His holiness, his perfection. Revelation 21.27, and there shall in no wise enter into it, speaking of heaven, anything that defiles, neither whatever works abomination or makes a lie. You've just gone through the Ten Commandments uh, with them. Have you ever made a lie? Every one of us stand guilty there. And Revelation 21.8 says, And all liars will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. So it's not just guilty of sin, but having to face the results of that sin. So it makes a lie. The only ones who get into heaven are they that are written in the Lamb's book of life. And that may actually generate some discussion. All right, so let's review and then we're done tonight. For a person to be saved, they must first come to the realization that God is holy. He cannot sin. He requires holiness from us. The Ten Commandments are a reflection of God's nature. This means God cannot accept any person who is contrary to his nature. In some of the other training, we're going to see from the book of Habakkuk, a verse that we memorize, that God can't even look on sin. Wow. Who then has sinned? Well, everyone. Yet there is good news. And in the lesson, 
And here's what they're going to read. They're going to read about the account in Luke 18, 9 to 14, where it talks about a Pharisee and a tax collector who came into the temple to pray. And that Pharisee, he got up there. He didn't see himself as a sinner. He boasted in the presence of God. I'm just glad I'm not like this guy. Here, here's my list of all the good things I do. Was God impressed? No. The tax collector admitted his condition, repented before God, was humble, and Jesus says that man went away justified. The idea is he went away forgiven. Not the Pharisee. Not the self-righteous religious guy. The tax collector. Nobody liked him. But he was willing to admit before God his condition. And God forgave him. All right. So this is what you're going to have an opportunity to be able to share with someone who's lost having, having Bible study with you. Now, I've been through this with individuals who didn't know Christ. The, the times that I have, I'll share this with you. Hopefully it'll be an encouragement. We never, we did finish the Bible study, but by the time we got done with the Bible study, they knew the Lord. <laughs> they got saved. Because as we continued to ask this question, the spotlight of God's word kept shining out of their hearts in their condition. I remember one guy that said, you know, this is so clear, we, we can keep going, but I know I need Jesus. Well, the Word of God, being used by the Spirit of God, that's what made the difference. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that everyone who comes to Christ needs to go through a four-lesson Bible study. We see examples in the word of God of people who were confronted with the gospel immediately were saved. How about that Philippian jailer? Immediately saved. But there are others, well, I gave them the gospel, they weren't ready, I'm moving on. Stop, stop. See if you can show them how much you care, get together with them, have them over, you go to their house, have them for a meal, meet them for coffee, just get to know them, let them know that you care about them, and then have a Bible study with them and see what God will do with that. That's, that's the point. All right? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your holiness. Thank you that in spite of the fact that we are unqualified to go to your heaven, you had a way of salvation already in place. Where the Lord Jesus could go to a cross, shed his blood to wash away our sin, rise again three days later. And Lord, you tell us that by grace we're saved through faith, not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works. But Lord, if we will admit to you we're a sinner and put our faith in the finished work of Christ, we can be forgiven and have eternal life. And so, Lord, would you help us to remember what you did in our lives and to love sinners through your love in our hearts that they might come to know you as Savior as well. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.